Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Catching Foxes on LayEvangelist.com. Catching Foxes is a weekly discussion show on all things culture and the impact that it has on our faith, especially for Luke. My name is Gomer and I'm joined by my co-host Luke, who has no name. Last name. Whatever. Hi Luke. I'm he shall... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. Nailed it. Okay, so we haven't done this for like three weeks because I moved, Gomer had a hernia... Uh, all this other crazy stuff so it it was so painful even i forgot i had it (laughs) you know what's funny it's because we thought our last episode went so well now i'm gonna think everything that i say is gold i know i know well i really am the greatest (laughs) what was it that bane said to batman in the dark knight rises mr wayne (laughs) no he said (laughs) what that was very loud sorry i guess success has defeated you (laughs) you're the man now dog (laughs) just start saying a bunch of sean connery lines (laughs) welcome to the rock dude i was just going to say that i was psyching myself for dang it why are you better than me at everything, Luke? The Holy Grail. <laughs> the penitent man shall <laughs> Indy. <laughs> Dog's name was Indiana. Never liked that name. Chewy, we're home. <laughs> oh, can we just spend a couple of minutes talking about that? All right, so really quick before we do, though. Yeah, let's in, Yeah, oh, before we do. Okay. Open up the prayer. I, 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 I honestly, um, when we started this, we knew people were going to listen just because, let's be honest, it's us. It's us. <clears throat> but uh, the response we've got from people who, who, who have has been incredible. And I really do honestly want to take the time to thank everyone who did. The majority of them are people that we already know. But uh, it's really cool. And we really do appreciate it. I never thought that fives of people would listen to us just fives upon fives of people so we're up to like 10 now i just it feels really really good (laughs) thank you thank you thank you so much and i just want to say that all you little people out there that i'm standing on in order to see so high and so far (sighs) your shoulders are very uncomfortable anyhow and now you're selling it. You're selling it. <laughs> this episode is just going to be a series of movie quotes for the rest of the duration. Damn it. Anyhow. <laughs> I wish it were Lindy. I'm trying to think of more Sean Connery films, but nothing's like, coming to mind. Bond. James Bond. I've only watched his James Bond stuff in... Like I've, it's been so we used to do a thing out in Colorado called beer bonding. It still goes on where, where a bunch of guys would hang out and we would try a bunch of different beers. We'd have, we would have a theme, or you'd buy it from like a brewery or you know or something like that, and we would watch all the James Bond films. We're going through each each one, but no one really ever paid attention. But it was fun. So I like vaguely watched all of the Sean Connery James Bond films, but never actually sat down and watched them all. Anyways, Star Wars. Uh, it's not I, I I'm not curious as to if you cried after you watched it, but for how long? <laughs> I did not cry at all. You son of a bitch. 
I did not cry at all. See, can I? Uh, here's the funny thing about the Star Wars thing, right? Is I'm super excited. I could not be more excited. Could I be more excited? I could not be more excited. But I don't. I'm not. I don't. I don't know. I'm not gonna cry. You cried though, and I made fun of you for that. I did. I got choked up. I know a lot of people who kind of were moved. I couldn't leave my office. Remember, I called you. Yeah. I was trying to do an emergency podcast because I was so stunned. This is the God's honest truth. I was so stunned and moved. I couldn't leave my office. Uh, one, because I was just so excited. And two, I didn't want to get in my car because I knew I'd be distracted while I, I was driving. Like I wouldn't be able to focus. <laughs> what, so actually, what would you be <laughs> dreaming of? Destroyed Star Destroyers and crashed X-Wings the whole time? I, I don't know. It, it was honestly... I mean, I, I spoke with a couple people who had that same reaction. And I, I don't know why. I just think some... I don't... Th- I, I think the thing was... Is I wasn't expecting to be moved like that. Mm, mm, and it just... Mm. In that... I mean, because it, it's not even like 90 seconds of stuff. It's, I mean, it's a lot of black. Um, yeah, he really used the darkness in that one. Yeah. It's like fade out, fade in. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, I don't know. It, just, it was just so cool. The, the ship, the whole thing was great. I, so, anyways, we don't have, you don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but um, I'm excited about it. How excited? Scale from one to seven. Uh, 6.9. <laughs> uh, can we just do a, that was awful. Can we do uh, a brief, a brief college, uh, college, uh, inside joke for everyone? Yeah. All right. So, uh, Luke, what would I say, fake say to women, uh, when I thought they were beautiful? Do you remember the scale, the scale, oh the Gomer scale? Um, do you remember the Gomer scale? I, n- I, I can't. I, I would say, I would say at uh, the scale from one to Gomer. Right. One being the lowest, you are totally an eleven. And then the girl would go, Thanks. And I would say, that was my impression of every woman. No. Um, and then the girl would say, like, thanks. And I would say, Well, I mean, it's out of Gomer, which is like a billion. So <laughs> good luck. Or <laughs> you know, something stupid like that. But you just reminded me of that. Do you remember when I came when my Austria group came back in this in the spring and everyone was saying all these jokes that I used to tell people and there were stupid jokes that you would say and you got so mad? I honestly I don't remember that at all. It was really like one or two things. I think I was doing the um, TP, I'm a wigwam one. Oh, that was a classic. And, like someone was like, Luke would get telling that that to people. And you were like, that's my joke. Yeah, okay. <laughs> listen, this is this is a educated a teaching moment for the kids. Whenever you're in a new situation where you don't know people, you know, first day of college, you're out of state college, the best thing for you to do is to go from table to table, not introduce yourself first, just wait till people look at you, stare at them, and then say, I'm a teepee, I'm a wigwam, I'm a teepee, I'm a wigwam. My psychiatrist says I'm too tense. Uh uh-huh. And then and then you do that. Huh? Huh? Two tents, get it? It's two different types of tents. Am I right? And then you would just walk away. And we wonder why people didn't like us. Oh, I didn't wonder. I used to do I the knew thing precisely like, why. I'd <laughs> be like, this is what it sounds like when doves cry. Something like that. Oh, thank God for the spit 
what is it the pop filter over my microphone because i almost <laughs> erupted bud light all over my fancy uh microphone rose um so mr way success has defeated you league of extraordinary gentlemen <laughs> mm. the original avengers with uma thurman okay anywho uh <laughs> That movie was awful. Anywho, <laughs> anywho, let's channel, let's channel. Luke, you're leading us today with the the topics. Um, do you feel like our, our audience is ready to dive in? Because I kind of do. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, um, of course, now, now I'm drawing a blank. So, you want to talk said, about me? <laughs> so, we said we're just going, we're kind of winging this one, but there's a lot that I want to cover, so stick with me. Can we just talk for a second about a montage of heck? Yeah, I haven't seen it. Because uh, I was okay. Well, um, it's very good. I think that you should. It's dark. It's really, really dark. Well, it's about Kurt Cobain, and it's the most. I think it's the most honest human portrayal of him that I've ever seen. Either in well, the, either the, that I have read in a book or seen on TV in like a behind the music esque type of thing. It was really good. Like excellent, actually. Sorry, I was just getting another beer when I heard you talking about this. I was very excited. Do what you got to do. Um, I'm doing it. There's a few things in the end when you see when you see Courtney Love topless, and it was interesting because it kind of made me stop and think about our last episode about like what's appropriate to watch and what's not. And it caught me off guard, but it really it wasn't very erotic. It was more just like personal and intimate. And I was like, is this wrong to, like, have this in there or not? I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about it because I think it's the, – the whole point of that of um, that documentary is to get an honest human portrayal of Kurt Cobain and towards the end that obviously involves Courtney Love. And it was, it was actually kind of like an intimate like, moment and it, at the same time it was actually kind, kind of sad too. And it, 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 was, it, it didn't seem – I don't know. I, I I would be hesitant to classify it as inappropriate. Why was she naked? Um, in one part, she's giving their daughter a bath, and she's naked. And it's, yeah, because she's like in the bath with her daughter, and it's just like a family home video. Um, the other part was actually yeah there probably was part that was kind of bad i think i, I think I'm, I'm i'm forgetting it because i skipped over it uh well so, let me just say as a husband and father of <clears throat> how many kids do i have three kids with the fourth on the way i have never taken a bath with my kids really i've never done that let me tell you why hmm yeah because i can just bathe them in the tub why do I need to get in the tub? Have you met my kids? They're gross. If I'm in that water, I'm in whatever was on them. Why You're do awesome. I want that? You got to get six more baths to get that off you. No, thank you, sir. I submit that that is disgusting. Continue. Do you? Th well, I was going to say you're also not a blonde-haired girl who's a rock star because of one song and who you got married to. False. Um, you don't know that. You don't know me. It turns out that. Uh, Gomer's actually Bruno Mars. Um, fact. That is a fact. 
uh, you know, it's uh, man, it's in my head now to like try to make jokes. And I'm thinking, is this funny? Is this funny? I don't know. Instead of just being in the moment, Luke, just be in the moment. Then I'm going to ask you questions. Here we go. <clears throat> Shoot. Luke, what is your least favorite Christian, Christian rock band? Uh, probably like some stupid crap like Avalon or, or you know, something like that. Avalon. <laughs> it is Avalon, Mr. Wade. <laughs> okay, next question. If you were a flavor of ice cream, what kind of flavor would you be and why? Rocky Road because it's so good and somewhat complex for an ice cream. Not that complex. I mean, it's, you know, oh my it's, God. it's pop ice cream, but... Big fan of Rocky Road. It's pop ice cream. I mean, I'm so hipster. I try to eat ice cream that literally has rocks Shut in it because I want it to be authentic <laughs> to itself. But, I mean, there's a lot of people know Rocky Road, so I kind of feel like, you know what? I knew Rocky Road before Rocky Road was Rocky Road, you know? No, Back then it was just called a road. It wasn't presumptuous. Listen, just because uh, I have a mustache now. Are you man. wearing a complicated scarf? I wish I was. Mm. Okay, let me give you a flashback story that precedes you. When I was in high school... We had a um, – there's a, a Catholic work camp thing, and uh, I attended it in Houston when I was a teen, and it was people from all over the country, and there was these two huge groups, one from Minnesota, one from Wisconsin, and they all came down, and there's these very pale women from the north, and uh, when one day we had to go to this thing, and I was the only person from Houston at this camp that did this one service project, and there's about 100 kids that were doing all the service, and uh, – we would break up into smaller groups and go to these different places. And and then for lunch, we all came back together. And the camp reading or the little spirituality piece was uh, the Gospel of Matthew where he talks about you are the salt of the earth. And then the follow-up question, which is the reason why people hate youth ministry, is the follow-up question was, if you were a flavor, what kind of flavor would you be and why? It's like, how does that have anything to do with being the salt of the earth? So anyhow. So everyone went in the circle, and they would say things like, uh, I'd be chocolate. And the lady would go, oh. And this lady who was, like, happier than happy, she'd go, oh, why do you like chocolate? And they would respond, uh, because I like the taste of chocolate. And it would go that way for 70 kids. Just the same kids giving the same BS answer, like, just shoot me now, get this over with. And uh, then it comes to me, and I go, and people were like, I'd like Rocky Road. Ooh, Rocky Road. Why would you be Rocky Road? Because uh, I like the taste of Rocky Road. Of course, you'd be like, because it's like very pop, but still authentic to itself. <laughs> and I'm from the Rockies of Denver. And I just, okay, anyway. And so it comes to me and I said, uh, I go, uh, I would be chocolate. And I go, oh, okay, why would you be chocolate? And I said, well, you know how people uh, say that when they eat chocolate, it makes them feel better. And all of a sudden this woman, like a light came on and she was like, oh my gosh, this teenager is giving me a real answer. And she goes, yes. <laughs> and I go, well, I feel like when people come and talk to me, I, I make them feel a little bit better. She goes, oh, that's great. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, plus that's how I like my women. <laughs> everyone, everyone starts dying laughing, all the kids. And then the lady goes, oh, girls, you better work on your tans. And then. Everyone immediately stopped laughing. And then it got awkward and somewhat racist. Yeah. Ah, the South. Um, (laughs) We will not rise again. No. (laughs) No. So let me ask you a question. So um, 
I keep feeling oh, the need to kind of explain what we're doing because we are still pretty early in all of our episodes. So, again, um, on our show, we, we talk about culture and faith and how those two intertwine. And there are going to be times when we probably will talk about um, we'll talk about one a lot more than the other one in youth ministry. I'm starting to see that there's a lot of there's a growing trend to um, really pull away from events um, and programs and big conferences that don't have a personal touch and a bunch of things like that. As a person who's involved with a lot of those things, you talk at the student conferences, other things, you know, does that do you see that as a good thing? Does that concern you like you know youth ministry has always had this tension with it <coughs> as you sneeze into the microphone you're welcome world <laughs> youth ministry has always had this tension within it and the tension is one it's all about reaching out to the individual personal connection one-on-one relational ministry and then the other thing is this tension to approach to win over to appeal to to satisfy the crowd right so the idea is it's all about the individual but at the same time it's high school they're in groups that's all they define themselves by the groups that they put themselves in so our goal is number one we're still we're still within the uh parish-based youth ministry we're still lumping them according to grade according to age whatever it is uh, we're still lumping them into these into these categories, and so we're going to serve the masses. So then the approach is, well, how do I serve the masses and the individual? Now, I'm a big fan of, of Life Teen. I've been a Life Teen youth minister, and Life Teen is not God's gift to humanity, but Life Teen, I think, tries to do something very unique where they do the large group thing. Every Life Night is broken down into four parts, gather, proclaim, break, send. The gather is, sets the tone. The proclaim is the teaching that everyone hears. The break is the um, the breaking out into small groups, and then the send is bringing everyone back together for one final prayerful, I hate to use this phrase, but a prayer experience that kind of unites the whole teaching and, and small group experience together. Now, I think what the goal is with, with groups like that is to get the best of the large group experience where it's, it's less threatening in one sense to be in a large group because you can kind of be anonymous you know, you can just sit there, you can sneak out your phone and text and, you know, whatever. You can lean your head up against the wall in the back and you can listen, you can engage, you can disengage, you can daydream. But when you're in small group, there's no hiding. Now, there are some kids who hate large groups and there are some kids who hate small groups. But I feel like you got to have this balance. Now, there's always this tension, right, between events and relationships. The things that events do well is that events speak about a a topic or whatever what they do is they try to gather together the kind of the best presenters that they can in order to deliver the most authentic and impactful message that they can because we all know what's happened when you have boring disengaging uncaring people mm-hmm. teach versus people who love their audience, who have experience with their audience, who have experience, who are expertise in, you know, have expertise in a certain subject area to present. You want people who are in love with the subject to present to people that they also are in love with. That's where dynamism and all that stuff happens. So with events like, let's say, a Sumville conference, you're experiencing this powerful dynamic of large groups of teenagers, a thousand, 
3,000, 6,000, all rallying together, all gathering what we would call a Catholic identity. But and, and at the same time, they're getting the best music, the best priests, best confessional experience they could ever have. Um, and if I do say so myself, the best speakers, right? Yeah. The problem is that's also a treetop experience, right? And they're swinging from treetop to treetop to treetop. If all of our ministry is just events and there's none of that relational connection, then we're sending our kids from treetop to treetop, but life is not lived in the treetops. Life is lived on the ground. And so you'll find these kids swinging from treetop to treetop and then all of a sudden find themselves in a clearing and their whole faith bottoms out and they crash and burn. So there's always this been, there's always been this tension. Now here's my deal, Luke. One time I did a, a, a diocesan youth conference, right? I was the MC and I gave two out of the five talks. Now there were 500 kids that came to that youth conference and the guy who led it, who organized it was beaming from head to toe 500 this year. And he said, have you ever seen so many kids? And I was like, well, the Steubenville conference. He's like, oh yeah, right. They have like thousands. And I said, yeah, but my youth group's 400 kids. And he looked at me, he's like, what? And I was like, yeah, my youth group, my weekly youth group is 400 kids. And he's like, how do you even deal with that? And I said, well, we, we really don't very well. But now, Luke, my, my, the youth group at my parish, when the confirmation students are with the rest of the students, because they're all high school students, it's over 700 kids. Wow. So then the question is, how do you do relational ministry that doesn't become events? Or how do you, how do you try to be super authentic when you're running event to event to event as just your youth group night? I mean, I know friends, we had friends in college who they got a job as a full-time youth minister with 30 or 20 kids in their youth group. Mm-hmm. When I graduated, I went to a youth group. I mean, I was a assistant coordinator or the coordinator of life teen at my parish, uh, the parish that I grew up in. And I started with 250 kids and grew it to 400. What do you, I mean, what do you do with that? <laughs> well, you train volunteers who are core members to make that super personal. But you keep finding out that as time goes on, um, this is what most most youth ministers, can I, can I let you in on a secret for youth ministers? Absolutely. Okay, youth ministers are exhausted trying to come up with this stuff on their own. On their own. So they mm-hmm. love taking their kids to places where they just get to be with their kids. So that's the best part about Zoomville Conference is I don't have to plan a talk. I just take my kids to the talk. And I get to experience this with the kids. And then afterwards, I get to talk about it with the kids. But this is yeah. what most youth, most youth ministers do. Or many, many. I should use the word many. Uh they don't – what you should do is have like a couple meetings before a big event and then seven meetings after a big event, right? So if you're going to take your kids to a summer Steubenville conference, you should have two or three meetings to prepare for it. And then you should have like five, six, seven meetings, maybe the whole, whole rest of the summer to process it. Because if kids have a conversion experience um, – Sherry Waddell in her book, Forming Intentional Disciples, talks about these thresholds that people go through. And if someone has no faith and then they grow in these thresholds to they develop trust with the church or curiosity or openness, we got to be there. This is a huge growth in one weekend. We got to be there and help build supports underneath that bridge of trust or that that um, threshold of openness or curiosity. We got to be there or else that we're going to lose someone as a disciple. But what most youth ministers do is they build to the events, they build to the treetop, and then they disappear because that's a freaking huge weekend and I'm exhausted now. 
Yeah. I, you know, I might, we had one church used to take five buses of kids to a Steubenville conference, 200 yeah. plus teens. I remember that because, I mean, when we went to, I was down in Steubenville on the bayou with you guys back in 2008. Mm -hmm. You guys probably had between all of the youth groups that you guys had brought, like what, probably at least, how many things, like five, like 500? Well, between the my you mean my group and the girl like, who I broke up with youth group <laughs> <laughs> that I was in bitter agony over because I proposed to her and she said no, and then we had to go to Sumville on the Bayou the very next weekend, and I had to see her the entire time and cried the entire time. Is that the other like, youth group that you're referencing? And I had to stay in Bayou the whole time, like it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Okay, for the record. You literally did do that. <laughs> I, I know. I hung out your union years group almost the whole time. I know. Screw well, David Huss. Was also working. Um, <laughs> You're passing out stickers for David Huss' con solo career, and then uh, holding me and saying, "It's going to be okay. <laughs> this is how doves cry, <laughs> and you are my precious little dove." <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a brutal weekend, but. Uh, we took 200 wait, wait, or 100. Okay. Yeah. Really quick. Yeah. Just so everyone knows, she became his uh, his wife. So everything worked out. Well, my paramour. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, we are we are married now. You know, what's funny is uh, my old church that I was a youth minister at that took the five buses. Um, that's a different church than the church with the 400 kids um, that I took the five buses with. Um, uh, we just were invited back, me and my wife, to give a couples in prayer series talk and uh i uh, me and shannon are coming up with all the like the prayer stuff that we do as a couple and as a family and stuff like that and then right at the end of mass i looked at her and i go we're scrapping everything that's crap we're gonna talk about our breakup <laughs> and so we did that was the whole that was the whole talk it's funny because i've i've seen a couple of talks that you have done that where you tell that story and it really honestly i i think you have one on lay evangelist.com or yeah. at least Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Counting your and, blessings, yeah. Yeah, and I encourage everyone to go um, and let's do it because it really is honestly all inspiring and, and great. But it's just interesting being there from the other side because <laughs> I can like fill in like all of the gaps that don't of a need explaining, obviously, within mm. the context of of your talk or just like other like little like small stories or, or the things. I, I, I remember there was this one point in time where I was like, uh, you could have like name dropped it. Then my buddy like Luke came with me in the chapel and we hung out for a bit and talked. And, and I was like, I was there for that. No, the most important part that you were there for was when the second time I tried to win her back, which was the very next night when I, so I hadn't talked to her for a month and a half. And then everyone goes to this bar and it's the first time I've seen her since I broke up with her. And then everyone leaves and I'm like, Hey, can I talk to you real quick? And she's like, Ugh. I said, Hey, I was wrong. You were right. We should be pursuing marriage. What do you think? Let's get back together. She looks at me and says, now it's me saying no to you. And I just remember being like, wait, what? No, that's not how this goes. <laughs> that's not how this goes. I'm a child. It should be fixed. <laughs> and uh, But then the next night was <laughs> at I'm a different bar. Sorry. <laughs> you know, the next night was at a different bar, and you were staying at David's apartment. And I came over and crashed the apartment. David wasn't there. And I just, like, bawled hysterically. And you were like... There, there, little one. Oh crap! <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I just knew it was bad. And, I just imagine you being like, "I thought we were gonna play, drink beer, and play Xbox." <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like in in 
all fairness, like that's part of growing up, mm-hmm. you know. And at the same time, you've been there when I've been in that spot once or twice, or once, three times, once or twice, or um, fifteen times a lady. Do you remember the time when you started like <laughs> like bringing up the most horrible stories ever? <laughs> this is, ladies and gentlemen, this is the part where we rip out our hearts and lay them on the table and show you how bruised they are. Uh, and then we'll get back to talking about youth ministry and discipleship. Everybody hurts. <laughs> I just imagine like Sean Connolly, uh, like him singing that, and like and just like a shot of like half of his face, and, and that's like all you see. And be like, is he wearing the bane? mask uh sure um it's when you were i remember because you were trying so hard just like you were it was so obvious that you wanted to authentically love her like just like and i remember this one time we were at, at our we were at our buddy's house at the pool and we're all like hanging out and you were being so encouraging and all of a sudden you can edit this out if, if you no 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 to. no edits um, Luke. you know our rule she left crying and i was like wait what and then you're like sobbing and you like collapse in their front yard like sobbing hysterically and i remember we all were like i feel like you're smiling while you're telling I know, story. I completely am. and then you collapsed in a heap of fleshy sorrow no i'm i'm like i don't know why i'm laughing i'm i'm, I'm not laughing at you because I, now the, the because it turned out so well yeah, 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 honestly. And then we, like, started, like, pray over you and stuff. I and mean, it was, like, so intense. Yeah. Can I tell you when that day was? Do you remember when that happened? It all kind of blends together, to be honest. Because I remember it like yesterday. <laughs> it was my birthday. That's right. May 25th. Everyone write that down. My birthday, May 25th. Donate at layevangelist.com backslash donate so that I can get a new iPad. But we all had all gone over to a friend's house, the same friend that you were staying in the apartment, David's, the same friend that you were the selling stickers for, or giving away stickers during the Steubenville and the Bayou Conference. Um, but we went to his house, and all of my friends were her friends, so I just invited everyone, and then I tried to woo her. I even, yeah, my mom, I remember I was talking to my mom, I'm like, she's coming to the party, she's actually going to come, I'm going to try to win her back. And my mom goes, yeah. did you get a flowers? And I was like, no, no that'd be awkward. Hey, so Mike, then at the end Mike. of it, but she, she, yeah, Michael, she had, uh, she drank, she drank a little, little too much. Not, she wasn't like hammer drunk, but she drank a little bit too much and was very not angry and bitter with me. And so I took that as a sign of Michael, I really am in love with you. You just need to ask me tonight in front of all of our friends. <laughs> and so I did that like 47 times in a row. And every time she kept saying, stop talking about it, I would be like, okay, totally. Yeah. But just like, until you say yes, I'll stop talking about it. And then uh, she got in the car and drove away and I died. Everybody hurts. That's okay. <laughs> so I mean, the, the point of the story is youth ministry. <laughs> <laughs> you made it through the winter of your discontent. Oh, um, man, I was so depressed. My friends stopped cheering me up because they were getting depressed. I remember brother Peter Francis, the artist formerly known as Brian Kelsch, who's my roommate. And he goes, "Gomer, stop it. Listen, there is a light at the end of the tunnel." And I remember explicitly saying, "Yeah, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and it's an oncoming train." Thank you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and he just goes, he just went, he just shook his head no and put his hands up in the air. He's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. That's I, I got to so, walk out. All right. 
This is the last thing that we should say that we really should get back to what we're talking about. Youth Sorry. ministry. All, all I keep thinking about um, is is uh, my aunt who goes about our last podcast. She's like, you guys had a really great topic. It just, it just took you a long time to get to it. <laughs> so in my mind, it's like, my what's, your, what's your aunt's name? What's her first uh, name? It's, it's my Aunt D, and she's great. Aunt D. Listen, Aunt D. Uh, I just want to have a moment between me and you. Uh, I totally agree that it took us way too long to get to that topic. You are so insightful. But, Aunt D, if I may call you that, um, I believe part of the glory is the journey and not just the destination. <laughs> so today, Aunt D, I want, I want to invite you into my car, out of my dreams and into my car. Get into that passenger seat and let me take you on a journey of the winter of my discontent. I love you. I need you more in my life, Andy. This is Michael Gormley signing out. Uh, Let's talk about the tension in youth ministry. (laughs) Discipleship. (laughs) Luke, you're the funniest man alive. Okay, so what do you, I mean? Okay, I mean, I can tell you, like, I know so many teenagers literally diverting right back to this. I know so many teenagers that have a retreat conversion. I mean, it's not a joke. It's not like um, a cliche or something like that. It's like a reality that teenagers have retreat conversions, hyper emotional. They leave those experiences and they wonder, where is God a month later? Yeah. Well, you know what? And you know what? Honestly, when I struggle, Sometimes, like, and I, I, please don't take this as like, oh, Luke doesn't I believe in God or anything, be, 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 because that's not true. But at times when I see that, I think, okay, so God wants to be a part of their life. They had an intense experience of, of like, of God. And now because there's not a follow through on that on our, on our end, they will kind of like, they will like lose touch with God. So where's God in all that? Like, is God as powerful as we think that he is? Uh, like, why can't, why, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is why doesn't, or why can't he transcend our failures for, for, for people who want to honestly like know him? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I would say this. Um in 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 part of our discussion, not instruction, the idea is um that that teenagers are extraordinarily emotional and that's part of their strength as teenagers, right? Um when we engage individuals like that in an an experience that is deep and meaningful and challenging, right? So I mean that's part of the thing, right? Chastity pledge cards. You're challenging their former worldview and causing them to adopt a new worldview that that moment, that, that conversion experience is powerful and emotional. Now, the thing that I say about follow-up is the idea is you and I are not alone in our spiritual growth, but what ends up happening is that we experience a little bit of community, right? Like when we experience those things, when I can tell about my experience at a Steubenville conference. The reason why I love Steubenville conferences is that was how God like shattered 
my the walls of disbelief that I had against him and the walls of disbelief that I had. I was a great Catholic kid. I mean, I knew all the answers. A rector of a seminary one time asked me to sit next to him at a high school event so that I could help answer questions that he didn't know. And that's why the fifth <laughs> joyful mystery is always my favorite. Um, but uh, that's a Catholic joke. Um, but the experience of this stuff uh, is powerful, but it was done in the midst of community. Right, it was people who had dedicated their lives to teaching and preaching the gospel. It was te- people who, youth ministers and core members, who had dedicated, at the very least, a weekend to disciple teens. You know, to not just be. Sh- I mean, I was blessed, and I had really amazing core members. But these were people who discipled us. You know what I mean? And they yeah. they were there. But then when I went home, there was no, there was no community to sustain it in a real way. Like. You would have weekly youth group stuff, but those weekly youth group stuff in the summertime where it's like basketball and pizza. And I longed for conversation and mentoring because God only works through community. He only works through others. Like that's the thing that people don't understand. Like there are those at rare moments of like St. Paul on the horse and getting knocked off the horse. Those are extraordinarily rare moments. What ends up happening for the vast majority of us, it's not that God can't do this. It's that the God prefers to work in and through the church, right? So mm-hmm. what did it take yeah. to convert yeah. St. Paul? Well, it took Christ knocking him off his horse. What did it take to convert Michael Gormley? Five amazing speakers, some music, and youth ministers who cared about me. Now, my youth minister at that time is now my boss. Like, I, I, I was a youth minister. She hired me to be a youth minister after college. I did that for three and a half years, left, did youth ministry elsewhere. And now I'm back doing adult faith formation, working for her again now that she's uh, the director of parish faith formation. But the experience of that is the experience of community. And when youth ministers don't do that for their kids, then the youth ministers, I believe, are the ones to blame. It's not the kids. It's not God. God works through the community. So think about this. You're a 15-year-old kid. You have had a pretty physically sexual relationships with friends. You've had friends with benefits. You've had, you know, girlfriends or, you know, whatever that you've gone, quote, unquote, too far with. And then all of a sudden you go to the Steubenville Conference. Powerful. Changes your life. It challenges your priorities. It causes you to have a new worldview and then you leave and you're on fire and everything else around you is ice and all your old friends who didn't go on that conference with you, they're fire extinguishers, right? Like your parents who didn't experience that. Now they might be grateful. They might be happy to have a, a new son or a new daughter come home and, you know, so different, but they're not, they're nurturing. And when you're crawling, when you're at the crawl stage, the thing you need the most is people helping you, right? If you're a, if you're a baby taking those initial baby steps, imagine if you were stuck doing it on your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's no, what I, we end up doing to these kids. We're like, learn how to crawl. Oh, look, you fell and you hit your head on the corner of that coffee table, uh, you know, called, uh, you know, booty calling your ex-girlfriend or whatever oh look you hit your head on the floor because you didn't know how to put your arms out oh well that's you know and and these are these stumbling blocks that we have as teenagers that if we if we aren't mentoring like that's how god set it up 
Jesus set up this thing called the church because we desperately need community. And then we expect God to miraculously, miraculously intervene every step of the way. And that's one of the things that I'm kind of excited about. And I, I, and I can't get really specific with things about my job, with because my job at this point in time. Because you're James Bond and you're not allowed to disclose your last name or what you do. Um, <laughs> Bunch Lickies, you're the man now, dog. Don't jog ear the book. Um, I, one of the things that I that I see through things like Why Disciple and other things that are that that are happening is it's it's starting to address those issues head on. And I think, I mean, this has this. Ha, I mean, um, uh, uh, sorry. Let me backtrack a bit. This is a thing that. I mean, we, we could do a whole other podcast about, but I'm curious uh, to see how we start, when we start to really equip and challenge teens to become a, to become a missionary d- disciple amongst their peers, what that's going uh, to look like. Because I'm wondering if it'd be really cool if we can get to a point where they don't have to always look for a youth minister or for a core team member of that because because there's only X amount of hours in a day and there's only X amount of people who are going to be able to help you out on a consistent basis. But if we can get teams to engage their peers and to help, you know, in some type of a, a, uh, a, a reciprocal relationship where they're kind of engaging each other and they're, and they're helping each other grow while also being engaged within their overall youth ministry pro uh, program. I think some really cool things could happen with that. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to say two things that totally one goes with it and the other one goes against it. Uh, the first one is St. Paul street evangelization. Yeah. Uh, these are people out, uh, Detroit area, uh, Adam Janke. He's an awesome guy. Um, they literally train Catholics to go out on the streets and evangelize. And yep. he he posts all these stories of confirmation classes, which if you have never volunteered for youth ministry, uh, you should and do it for confirmation because those are the, like, the most bitter people on the face of the earth. Um, <laughs> but he'll get a group of confirmation students and send them out to do street evangelization as Whoa. part of their confirmation program. Right. Send them out. Give them, they do a training. They have a training that they do. They equip them. And then the whole thing is, how can I pray for you? That's what these people on the streets, like, they'll go to like a, you know, some sort of town center type thing. Uh, you know, up here in the woodlands, we have the the waterway and these different these different areas. And they just have a sign, a couple signs. Uh, I'm not too super excited about the signs. One says Catholic truth. I just wish like, what is that, a modifier of truth itself? You know, so yeah. Um, but they they literally are just standing there with all these like rosaries and miraculous medals and all this stuff, and they just say, "Hi, can I? Is there anything you need me to pray for you today for?" And then that starts a conversation. Um, and they say that the amount of conversions that they have from one individuals on the street, I mean, they have like thousands of people that return to the church, thousands, because some a teenager walked up to them on the street. But the other is the conversion of the teenagers themselves. Absolutely, you know, I mean. Once you put yourself out there, this, it's it's amazing. Um, one day we'll talk about the book Dedication and Leadership. It'll if you read that book, it'll it'll do some things to you. It'll really mess you up. But uh, by Douglas Hyde, a former communist. Um, but uh, the other thing that I want to say to kind of contradict that is 
not really contradict it, but kind of come against it is you do need peer ministry. I'm not denying that, but you need one more thing that is even more important than their peers. And it's not core members. It's not youth ministers. It's not even priests. It's parents. Oh yeah. Parents. The parents. Yeah. Parents. Is the number one thing. Yeah. One out of every 10 Catholics go, Catholic kids go to a Catholic school Less than two two out of ten, so less than 20%, go to um, religious education provided at a parish. So that means that there is less than 3%, or 3%, less than 30%, three out of ten, that actually receive a Catholic education in America today. And someone said to me, and I posted that stat from CARA, which is a Georgetown um, Catholic... uh, polling kind of like the pew research thing um Mm -hmm. and they said and i so i posted it and then someone said well what do we do and it was a friend of mine who's a youth minister in this area he said what do we do and i said spend twice as much on the adults as we do on the kids and sherry waddell's book forming intentional disciples which i talk about all the time it changed my life um that that book talks about how as catholics we have an infant paradigm of evangelism oh just get the married couples to baptize their kids and, and then we'll educate them and then we'll be good to go and then when they leave the faith they'll eventually come back when it's time to baptize their kids um but she's saying that's not working and here's all the statistics the whole chapter my wife just read the first chapter tonight in adoration and i let her go to adoration and confession or i watched the kids while she went i didn't let her go but uh she went to adoration and confession she how read kind the, of you i know right i'm such a good husband um such a good overlord and uh she said she's like that's a lot of facts and figures and numbers and stats and i go yeah that's the point and she goes and it's so depressing and i was like right god has no grandchildren god will only be a father god has no grandchildren we can't keep thinking that this infant paradigm of evangelism is going to save kids. So this is the part that ties into youth ministry is I used to always say, not always, after my first year, I then began saying this. I, my first year, I thought parents were the enemy because they were stupid, they were faithless, and they didn't understand what it meant to raise kids to be saints rather than just good citizens who get good grades and obey them. And then I realized that parents could be my strongest allies. And then as I started working with parents, I realized parents are freaking clueless. They are clueless about their faith. So no wonder their kids are. I mean, the parents were raised in paper plates and cotton balls, and you glue them to the paper plate, and look, you're you're a lamb of God. And that's all they knew about Scripture. And now we're asking people, parents who were bored to death of their religious education or their the theology class of their Catholic school. They're bored to death with it. It was meaningless. It was water. It was drivel. It was nothing. And then we asked them to send their kids, to to be baptized, to get married in the church. It was useless, pointless, meaningless. And now we're reaping what we've sown. It's as if the church decided for a whole generation to give up on them, to not teach the faith. And this is what we're, we're experiencing. So my job, my goal right now in adult faith formation is still, I feel like, tied to youth ministry. After, uh, after my first year, I realized not only that parents were my biggest allies, but what if I actually tried to convert them? You know, what if I went after them instead of just exclusively going after their teen, instead of creating a barrier between them and their teenager? That's what I was doing. So then I started holding theology, the body seminars, and I would invite parents and teens to come, you know, and I didn't do whole family catechesis and all that stuff, but we looked for every opportunity to involve the parents. Cause that's, if we can convert the adults, then we'll convert the kids. 
Not all of them, because how many kids follow in their parents' footsteps? But I'm talking authentic followers of Jesus and not just people who show up and have good enough attendance. Mm -hmm. Rant done. Yeah, I I couldn't put any better myself, except for one quick thing, just to affirm what you were were talking about in, in... Education, uh, one of the first things that you will learn about classroom management is that you is that you have to model what you expect. If you want your kids to be on time, you have to be on time. If you want kids to be organized, you have to be organized. If you want kids to be fully engaged and paying attention, you have to be fully engaged. And it's because they – like all teens are they're, – they're trying to understand how – like who am I? How do I act? And they're and they're trying to get that answer from their peers and from the and from the rest of the world, especially people who are in positions of authority, i.e., parents. I hope that's a correct use of the word i i.e. There. Uh, I don't speak German, so I don't really know. Um, yeah, I e e e g u. From Grant Shorty. <laughs> but no, I and looking at all this stuff, imagine if uh, the tables were turned. Adults were disciples of Jesus Christ. Adults were followers of Jesus. Adults reprioritized their, their um, well, let me, <laughs> adults had the priorities of the gospel as their priorities. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, what we would call conversion, right? Metanoia, a change of the mind, going beyond the mind, right? Something that is a whole life experience. But what, what we experience of most adults is what we experience of most teenagers. God's important in some way, but I got other things going on. And as long as there's a number one, a number two, a number three thing that's above God, you are never going to get, in the individual heart, you are never going to get what all your programs and events can, you know, they're going to run up against. The idea of conversion is um, a powerful one because it's kind of two things. And this kind of goes back to the original comment about the tension between the individual and the event is the idea of conversion is for many people, there is this one impactful moment that they can point to and say, that's when God was real. That's where I encountered Christ. But then there's a second conversion that we call integral or ongoing conversion. And there are so many people that just, because it's not the emotional high of the impact, that they drop away. They pull away. Mm-hmm. But here's the deal. You want to ask why um, Why doesn't God you know, keep intervening in that way? Or why isn't, is God not strong enough or whatever? I mean, obviously God can do whatever he wants, but... Uh, the answer is this, what if God kept pouring out the same emotional experience, the same powerful, emotionally felt, physically felt experience that you got when you were 15 years old, uh, at a conference? Number one, that'd be exhausting. Exactly. But number two, and this is the deeper one, wouldn't there be a danger and Luke, you're a charismatic community, baby. Maybe you can answer this from your own personal experience there. Wouldn't there be a danger of falling in love with the gifts rather than the giver? Falling in love with the emotional high that I get, the emotion, the warm fuzzies and all that stuff, rather than the God who gives me that. I think God deliberately 
veils himself, withdraws, pulls himself away, enters into the desert, and then sees if we'll follow. He woos us, and then he removes himself from us to see if we'll actually have the courage to follow him. Oh, yeah. I um, cut this part out if you want, honestly. No, no edits. Um, <laughs> do you remember in college we would call it e- we would call it emotional masturbation? Yeah. Completely true. Yeah, because I mean, you, you just get many, yeah. addicted to that high and you really honestly you lose you don't really I don't know, it was really funny because our our um two stories are coming to mind for me and one was the first time I ever really heard that term of the integral a conversion. I'm so I'm sorry if I'm getting that 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 wrong, but it just reminded me of when I was in Austria. I was having a really hard time. Just it was funny because I was you know like in Rome and and I was experiencing God and all these and all these. I was really starting to see where how God had been involved in our world for such a long period of time, and really coming to see how He was involved in our world from, you know, the book of Acts up until the present day in real concrete ways. And it was, it was honestly overwhelming. And I was overwhelmed with like my own like sinfulness and just, I was like, where are you in my life? Well, I am so far from all of this like beauty that I, that I, that, you know, I am seeing. And there was this great priest who had gone to Steubenville who was studying out in Rome and we did, uh, we kind of did like a born again in the spirit thing over all of the nights while we were in Rome. And I went to a confession with him almost every night. And we, and we kept talking about that and just about like, and what that actually looks like. And just, and I really don't, I don't remember a lot of the specifics of our, of our conversation, which really bums me out. But I do remember being very encouraged and it set me down that path understanding that this is where I was in this part two of my conversion that I was going to take for the majority of my life. And that was okay. And then the other part was when I heard a talk by our buddy, Brian Kissinger, where he said, when we praise God, when we do charismatic things, it's not about trying to, it's not about not, it's not about trying to experience God in these ways as much as it is saying who God is and crowning him the king of our heart. And that dramatically changed how I worshiped because, yeah, I mean, like growing up in a charismatic family, I mean, I faked being slain in the spirit for the first time because I just wanted it so badly. I'd seen it. You know, I've seen people speaking in tongues my entire life. It doesn't freak me out at all. Probably should, but it doesn't. Um and so, and you can, and that's just a danger, like, you know, like all things. I mean, I don't think that this, just because, you know, uh, I've had that I've, that's been a struggle that it completely like writes off the uh, uh, charismatic movement. I think you can have that, I, can't, I think you can have those same, those same issues with the ultra traditional masses or anything like that. Oh, would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. So, and it just like having to really, understand that hey like when i'm doing this it's not about being detached from outcome is so important in all aspects of life including spirituality i really think so like being like you know i'm okay with whatever happens like thy will be done 
in a in a certain way i've come to learn that that's about being detached from from any kind of outcome yeah i remember dr scott Hahn giving um i think everyone should hear this talk it's uh a tape series four cassette tapes um <laughs> when i listen to them good luck playing that now yeah no kidding um Gipster. and it was the the things that changed my life the most from Dr. Scott Hahn were these three series. One was Where is God in an Ungodly World? Just the title alone sh- shook me. Um, and that's where I came became convinced that God is real. Um, and Christian answers to the idea of um, human suffering and all that. But then the other thing was, uh, so Where is God in an Ungodly World? And then um, the Sermon on the Mount the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, just powerful stuff. And then lastly was, what is the cost of the new Pentecost? You can still remember it. Actually, uh, back in 2005, I recommended it to our old roommate, John, and his soon-to-be wife um, when they were taking, about to take some trip to see her her parents before they got married. And she said, well, as we drive, you know, we want to listen to something cool. And I said, well, your parents are community babies, right? <laughs> you know, like, listen to this one. And in it, he says, for so much, you know, this is a paraphrase, but for so much of the charismatic renewal, people focus on the warm, fuzzy feelings they experience having the Holy Spirit, like, overshadow them. And he said, but that's not the point of the charismatic renewal and these manifestations of the Holy Spirit. The point is not to feel warm fuzzies. And this is the thing that destroyed me. He said... But the point is to feel cold and clammy like a crucified Christ on the cross. And if your Holy Spirit, if your experience of the Holy Spirit never brings you there, he said, then that's a false spirituality. And that, I remember just thinking after my first Steubenville conference where I felt the power of the Holy Spirit and felt that amazing warmth and where, where, where many people will say, and if you don't know, if you have never experienced a the charismatic renewal, get to some Catholic charismatic center and experience it. But this outpouring of the Holy Spirit where I feel like I've received God's love, like head to toe. Everyone uses the same description. Head to toe. I was on fire. I felt the heaviness. I felt the lightness. I felt this. I felt that. But what they say, just head to toe, I knew God loved me. But that's the first step. If that's it, then we're babies. We're, we're infants. Yeah. You know, St. Paul, or the author of the letter of Hebrews, says that, you know, I, I fed you milk. Now it's you should be going on to solid food. But I find that I still got to go back to the milk. And the whole idea is it's so comforting to have those experiences. But it's not enough to sustain a walk with Christ. Yes. Christ says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow after me. And so that's why Dr. Han said, you know, the real thing is to be cold and clammy like a crucified Christ on the cross. And it's alliteration, so you know it's true. <laughs> Dude, that blew my mind, actually. That was <laughs> that just I heard you gasp the past ten years for me. So anyways. Um I heard I heard you gasp a little bit. You went, oh. I did. I was like, whoa, that because it's so fun. Like that's a, that's that's the thing that uh, for me, I think when I when I think back on the past, you know. 10 years. I mean, cause like, I, I think you probably remember when I was going through like a lot of the time when I was like, guys, I don't know if I can even call myself a Christian anymore. I'm having like such a hard, I mean, I was to quote Saint, to quote Saint Trez, I was tempted by profound atheism or just, you know, or agnosticism at times. And 
um, it's just I've really come to understand the importance of the of 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 uh, transforming and renewing your mind or your intellect. And I think that's I mean, at, at least with in my own life, that's what a lot of that has been when it comes to feeling that coldness is, going, OK, so. I have to be mind over body yeah. right now, which is a phrase that I've always I'll come back to ever since I first started playing sports in, in high school is that, you know, it was always like it was always on the mind over body. And I think that's what a lot of that comes comes down to is like you have to develop you, you, you have to convert your intellect you have to learn to understand who god is and i think that ultimately helps us encounter him in new and honestly profound ways as a married man who looks at his wife uh she's still like i know so much about her i know her furrowed brows and rolled eyes and i can tell you know, they speak volumes to me, but she's still a mystery to me, you know, and she's a mystery to herself and I'm a mystery to myself. And if in human relationships, we are part of the growth in our relationships is growing within that mystery of each other. Why would we expect any less of God? Mm-hmm. Why do we ex- think that? I mean, even St. Paul, I think people miss miss the uh a lot of people want a saint paul experience i remember our good friend david uh that i've talked about now three times uh david one time used to say to me he said if god were just to appear before me and just tell me what to do i would do it in a heartbeat why doesn't he do that and i remember this great line from peter craft dr peter craft who says if God wanted you to know in a clear and infallible way, he would have revealed it to you in a clear and infallible way. So maybe God doesn't want you to know in a clear and infallible way. Maybe God wants you to trust. Now our friend David is a seminarian, and he's well on his way. He's about two or three years from being a priest. And you sit there and you think about and you think about that. God, God is absolutely mysterious. He's so mysterious because even the aspects of him that I know I know in relation to myself and the encounter that I've had with him myself, I'm mysterious. Have you ever done something and said, why did I do that? Like, mm-hmm. that's a mystery. Like, you're, you're literally the only person <laughs> who can answer that question. Why did I do that? You know, you, you did it. You're the only one that knows. But we say that, and what about God? Like, if we believe that God is real, then that means that he's infinitely above us. And so that means that I can't know all of his ways. And it's abs- it is absurd for us to demand God to unveil himself in the way that suits us because then he would not be God. Now, we in our limited understanding are like, God, why don't you just appear and take away this element of faith and just give me knowledge? But in my own relationship with my wife, there is so much mystery. There's so much things that I just have to trust her in. There's so much that I just have to surrender to her goodness. I just have to trust her. I have to trust that she's going to do the right thing for our kids, that she's going to do the right thing by me. She's going to do the right thing by our finances and all this stuff. I just have to trust. I don't know. I can't predict. And yet when we turn to God, we're like, you need to do this and this and this and be like this and this and this. That's when we realize that God is just an abstraction to us. That's when the atheist and the Christian make the same mistake. God is a quantifiable abstraction. I've figured it out. I've solved it all. 
And that's why I think this podcast is awesome because we're all about discussion and not instruction. We we acknowledge that there is real truth out there, dogma, belief, doctrine, all that good stuff. But those are shining lights by which we navigate, Aunt D, the journey through this life that we don't, you know. I mean, we only have headlights. We don't know the entire way. We only know the 20 feet in front of us on the dark country road that is our life. We don't know the entire road. and And that's because we can't. We can't know it. It's not because God's holding out on us. I really don't think that. Yeah. You know, and it, it's one of the things that, that I've been um, experiencing with within the past like month or so is just trying to be patient with God and myself. Well, Luke, wait upon the Lord. <laughs> we went deep. Good job. Nope, I'm editing that out. Continue. <laughs> Luke, what are you listening to on Spotify? Luke, pretend that didn't happen. What are you listening to on Spotify? All right. Uh... <laughs> oh, Sorry. you drug up the darkness from my closet. <laughs> I was trying so hard to not do it. And then you brought him up again. All right, so on Spotify right now, I've been on a... I'm trying to challenge myself. That's good. Challenge yourself to music. Yes, continue. I mean, I'm going to the gym, but challenge yourself with music. I'm sorry. I've already been working out. Actually, I was in great shape. Then I gained it all back. (laughs) Um, All right. So I've been trying to challenge myself by taking a chance on songs or different bands that I find hard to comprehend. And um, the first one is a song by Paul McCartney called Temporary Secretary. It's off of um, McCartney 2. It's an album that came out like uh, either I think it's in the late 70s or in the early 80s. I could be completely wrong on that. But it's um, it's grown on me a lot, and it's extremely good. Uh, it's really, really weird. It's actually the weirdest Paul McCartney song that he's ever made, either, you know, just on his own or with any of his bands being the Beatles and Wings. So um, it's a really weird, fantastic song that takes a lot of time to kind of chew on and dive into. Uh, Childish Gambini, love the song Sober. Uh, The new Copeland album is still great. And um, I'm ashamed for saying that I just discovered this band. I'm probably going to pronounce their name wrong, but Slater Kinney, their uh, song Surface Envy. Um, so good. So good. So good. You you scared me there. And that's... <laughs> just, like, ah, was, you're back. That was my way of letting you know that I'm back. Oh, and still, um, still into my avant-garde um, modern uh, jazz by a guy named Diamond terrific with his song kill the uh, kill the self that wants to kill yourself oh luke you are oh i'm sorry diamond terrifier if you could describe yourself luke with three words what would they be passionate sensual <laughs> uh eclectic complicated <laughs> yeah seriously and well and um um uh, full hardy i don't i don't know what that means i don't know either it's a term from like the 1800s he was full hardy oh. 
<laughs> he was foolhardy engaging in that tomfoolery. I see here. Yeah. Tom uh, Sawyer. Huckleberry. <laughs> you know, I think at first, and you know, again, it's it's this is the first one we've done it in in a while. I yeah. just moved. You've been busy, Aunt D. Aunt D. You got to give us some slack. <laughs> <laughs> Deep we problem. finally What's got going on? We uh, finally got to Diamond Jack Switch. What Diamond Terrifier? There you go. We finally got to the core of what we were talking about. Oh mm. man. Okay, uh, Luke. No, my auntie's awesome, D. I love you. Um, I love you too. I love you too. I don't even know you and I love you no, because I, I think I, you've met D. D, a totes love. Totes love. See you on Facebook. You have a beautiful smile. But uh three words that describe me. This is what I said. You ready for this? Yeah. Three words. Hardworking, alpha male, jackhammer, merciless, insatiable. Joyful, because I'm full of joy. Impatient, because I hate everyone on the road. Oh, and then visionary. That was it. Uh, but you are on Twitters, I hear. At the Luke V. You're still doing that, huh? At the Luke the. It's it's so much more fun here the other way. No, I know, but you should be die Luke die. Nope. Ah oh, man, we are gonna eternally disagree about this, nope. aren't we? It's German for the Bart. The Oh. No one who speaks German can be evil. <laughs> Did I tell you about what happened when I posted about our podcast on Reddit? No. This this ties in with what you are talking about. Okay. Um, so I was trying to uh, promote it on our Catholicism, and my little tag thing was just uh, just what the world needs another two white dudes talking about faith and culture on a, a podcast, which is one of our little like tags thing. And like it got downvoted, and I got so mad. And I was like, why is it? And I had a comment where it's like, why is this being downvoted? And this guy just started to, like, argue with me about it, just saying, like, this is how you need to promote a podcast. You Like, you don't know what you are doing, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, dick. So I responded. <laughs> I was getting so mad. And and every time he would just come back with, with like, just, like, just, like, stupid stuff. I was like, all right, dick. <laughs> and, just, and then I was like, wait. This is a link to Gomer's website. I should probably delete this. <laughs> <laughs> I felt so bad. I was getting so mad at this guy. I was like, you're an ass. Like, I was getting so angry. You know what's funny? I've never even talked about layevangelist.com. That is my website where I try to encourage people who are engaged in the new evangelization. <laughs> and I didn't realize that in my name, I was calling a guy a dick. <laughs> Thank you, Luke. Thank you for layfanalyst.com backslash dick for more. Thank you. Because <laughs> if you see it, like if you click on the like on the link in this, like it takes you right to it. It has a picture of like your face in the corner. <laughs> nice. What it should say, Luke, how you should post it is, hey, everyone, just come and sample this podcast if you're a young adult or something and then say you know what <laughs> nine out of ten critics agree it's not too terrible <laughs> no that's that's what i did a second time i was like okay let me try this because because then i kind of realized like they could have thought that i was like trying to talk crap about the podcast which is why i could have gotten down like downvoted what if what if everyone on that subreddit loved our podcast and they were like 
screw you, buddy, for making fun of it. Downvote, downvote, downvote. Exactly. And we're like, we're we're losing out. We're losing out on marketing opportunity to our our key demographic because you're 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 wording things wrong. Luke, mm-hmm. it's not too terrible. It's not. Yeah. T- I don't think it's too terrible. Yeah. So to that guy <laughs> that I called a dick, I'm sorry. I already apologized to him in a private in a private message on Reddit. I felt bad. His arguments were still stupid and absurd. I just got mad that someone was trying to tell me how to podcast or like how podcasts work, and I was like, dude, I know more than you. Trust me. Whoa, bro. Chill, bro. Whoa, chill, bro. Just calm down. Chill, bro. I was becoming that guy who goes who goes into an Apple store and thinks they know who thinks that he or she like knows a lot more than all the people at the Genius Bar. Oh, you mean me? Mm hmm. So uh, new MacBooks coming out. You guys excited about the 12 inch retina screen? Do you, do you know how many pixels are on that retina screen? I mean, it's so low powered. How did they do that with the motherboard? I know how they did it with the motherboard. <laughs> they bought PA Semiconductor about 10 years ago. That's how they did it with the motherboard. I was like, why are you talking to me? Um, anyway. <laughs> the guy's like, I'm just a customer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, you're wearing a blue t-shirt. I didn't know. <laughs> They're clearly wearing red t-shirts here today in honor of Pentecost. <laughs> I'd like to think that instead of Ashley like, working out, this is this is what you're doing. Oh no, this is the gym. The gym is the Apple Store. I oh, bought okay. a series of one on one, one on one training <laughs> events, and I just go walk around the store. Oh, I got this one on one card. Um, this is my gym. It's how I work out. Hey, uh, so have you read the latest uh, Daring Fireball John Gruber posts? Pretty wild, huh? <laughs> I don't claim to know a lot about a lot about Apple because. I have an uncle who any time that I feel like I know some stuff just tears me down with it horribly because he knows a lot more, like way more. He's an Apple guy, right? Well, yeah, he's, he's yeah he's done his um, his company has done a lot of work with Apple, so he's like, yeah, stop. Yeah. So, anyways, um, yeah, I actually um, I have a plan to try to introduce you to. At my wedding, so so because I think like yeah, you, man, I this is a- the guy that is going to get me some discounts. <laughs> oh yeah i don't know if he i think he can still get that well okay. hey let me actually you know what it's funny you ask um i've actually been saving this the last few days to answer on the podcast what have you been listening to and i the first part of my answer was i gave up spotify but the mm-hmm. second part of my answer was you know how i gave up that 12.99 subscription so i could go work at a gym oh yeah yeah I may have also picked up a $14.99 a month subscription to audible.com. Oh, you did? Where you're allowed one free audiobook a month. I love Audible. And my or where you're allowed one paid audiobook a month and then my you get a free one for the first 30 days. My free one was called Quitter by John Acuff. And then after I finish my free audiobook, until I have to wait for another month in order to get a credit for another audiobook, I went and bought Entree Leadership from Dave Ramsey. And I basically listened to two full audiobooks in two days. That's a great book. Um, so Luke, uh, what's your, what's your, what's your Twitter? The Luke V? At the Luke V. We are at C Fox's podcast at the letter C Fox's podcast. Gomer, you're aware? I am. I am. I am at... Oh, I think said you're aware. <laughs> I'm like, I am. Yeah. I'm aware of that. Oh, you're asking me something else. Oh, you don't pronunciate well. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so many things I want to say about that right now. But I'm not. I'm not at all, Luke. Uh, I'm at 
Wait, which one should I do, Luke? I know. No, that's what, that's, I'm that's, kidding. I'm kidding. No, really I'm cool. at Leevangelist. Uh, at Leevangelist. I'll I'll just push that. I'll push that. Even All though right. at AMD Gomer is more appropriate for this podcast. Son of a gun, I did it again. Anywho, <laughs> everyone, uh, I want to thank you for listening uh, to this beautiful and very. Um, very uh, produced, maybe even overproduced podcast. Uh, I'm Michael Gormley at layevangelist.com. <laughs> hey, it's really quick, just in case you don't know. He's at layevangelist. I'm at the Luke the. It's at C Fox's podcast. Please follow us on Twitter because I check how many people are following us constantly for, for affirmation for what we are doing. Layevangelist.com. I was so bummed when our when our uh, followers didn't go up after we released the first three episodes. <laughs> I was like, "Why are you following us, <laughs> people? Don't you understand? We produce nothing of value. Why are you following us? I need this. <laughs> I need this. There's a thing called validation. And there's a thing called validation, and I need both. All right, everyone. God bless. I love you, and uh, Luke. I'll talk to you in another six weeks. I love you, buddy. All right. Adios. Bloop, 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 bloop. That's the sound of Skype hanging out.